Hello and welcome to the BVC Podcast. Here at Brownsburg Vineyard Church, we want you to know that we are a group of ordinary people that serve an extraordinary God. Our mission is to honor God and advance His kingdom by building disciples who will give their lives to changing the world. Whether you are local or joining us from a distance, we want to thank you for being a part of our family. To learn more about us, you can visit thebvchurch.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's message.
expedition. And we have maps of them, and that's, and actually it's Jesus too. We're just kind of itinerant. So uh, we're like Paul and Barnabas. We're just catalytic. We go over there. We start things. We train leaders. Uh, we help start church planning movements in Muslim West Africa. So it's kind of a wild story how we ended up doing that. But um, this series, I really like this series. I feel like the most, you know, what God's really trying to say through this series, as you go, and we listened to Eric's message last week online, thinking I, is like each one of us, each one of you, um, like you, nobody has the sphere of influence that you have. Like, nobody else has the job you have, the house you have, the friends you have, or goes to school where you go to school. Like, you have a very unique mission field. Like, that is your mission field. That is our mission field, right? To be, to continue the ministry of Jesus. Like, it's, it's, it's our privilege. It's our, like, amazing opportunity to continue the ministry of Jesus right where we are, right with what we have. And the, the incredible thing is you have exactly the personality to fulfill the mission that God has for you. Like, you have exactly the gifting, exactly the personality. So that's what we're exploring, what you've been exploring in this series. And we just want to encourage you and build your faith. Um, so we're going to read a uh, Bible story today, and we're going to interact with this. I think you'll find it fun. But to begin with, I need you, if you're able, to stand up. Okay? So stand up. Now, you can, you need someone, you need like a discussion partner. It can be somebody you came with, but if you came here by yourself, grab somebody else. So ideally, group, you can sit down when you have a discussion partner, okay? Yeah, so everyone everyone should find one other person. Yeah, find one two. other person. If you're watching this online, you're supposed to do this too. If you're by yourself, you're going to have to make some notes. So, okay. Everybody, man, you guys, you're good at this. You can have three in a group um, as well. So two's ideal, but three's, three works great as well. Okay, so Vicki's going to read a Bible story for us. And then as you listen to the story, this is what you're going to share with your study buddy. You're going to share what's something that stood out to you from this story. Okay? So let's just invite the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you that every story is here in the Bible, but that you want to open your eyes to us. And so, Father, we pray that you will open our spiritual eyes, that we will be ready to hear what it is that you want to say to us from your word. Thank you for this beautiful story. Forgive me, dear God. Thank you for your word and for your children. We just ask you to come and speak into our hearts. Forgive us, Lord. So I'm going to read Acts 3, 6 to 12. And just to give you a little background, Jesus has gone to heaven. Told his disciples to stay in Jerusalem until you have the Holy Spirit. And now he's asking them to receive the Holy Spirit. And then they were still in Jerusalem. And just to tell you, Jesus had only been killed just a little bit earlier. But they were still in 
If the second person hasn't had a chance to share yet, let the second person share. That sounds like you're done. Uh, so I'm curious, what's what stood out to you? Did somebody raise your hand or call it out? Somebody over here? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this was not the five-step prayer model, was it, that we talked about? This was like two steps. He doesn't even ask him what he wants. The, guy, the guy's asking for money. He doesn't even, like, respond. Yeah, that's, that's cool. How many people, that's what stood out to you? Anybody else? Okay, yeah. What else stood out to you? Yeah. So he said, what Peter said is like, why are you looking at us? Like, we were, we're somebody special. Or we have special power or godly. Yeah, how many people that stood out to you? Yeah. Yeah, okay, what else? Yeah. This in the name of Jesus, this Peter had faith that something's going to happen. He did something in Jesus' name. Okay, one more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But they're just going about their daily lives. Yeah. Okay, Vicky's going to read it again. And this time, what, I, what you're going to share with your uh, partner there is what what's something we can learn ourselves 
to be on mission? Like, what's a lesson for us for our daily lives? She'll, she'll read it again, and then you'll share with each other. Then Peter said, Here they are bold and beautiful, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's trembling ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And he went with him into the temple court, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate for a donkey, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man hobbling to Peter was gone, all the people were astonished and fell down before him and said, Let's go and see him. When Peter saw him, he fell to the earth. Fellow Israelites, why does this compel you? Why do you stare? Okay, yeah, what's a practical lesson for us from this? Share with your partner. can talk. If the second person hasn't talked, it's their turn. We can earn. I'll start on this side this time. Yeah, in the back. Yeah. Right. They immediately... We can learn that. When when we pray and God answers, we're immediately like, hey, it's not because I'm super holy or I have special powers. This is Jesus doing it. Cool. Very important lesson. What else? Yeah. Now, that's, that's really cool. So she's like, everybody we meet is somebody God really loves. And what difference would a, a friend of mine was telling me that he was in a Bible study group recently. He's read this. The group read this, and then if this is the way this method works. Then you're like, what, what's a lesson? What am I going to do? And he, he said, the next homeless person I meet, I won't give them money. I'll pray for them. So then he's... He lives in Chicago. He probably had lots of opportunities. Uh, but he's like, so he, he meets this woman on the street. She asks him for money. And he's like, 
I'm really money to give you, but I'll pray for you. What do you want prayer for? And he's like, she, she's like, I want prayer for my daughter. He's like, the, the, the gal ended up like hugging him. Um, but again, it's not what she asked him for. But he's like, she was just so grateful. And um, so again, yeah. Yeah, what else? This is great. Yeah, and I love your voice. It projects. You could hear him, right? So, yeah, so it's like we, they interrupted. You know, they did not, like, let's go out on a prayer walk. You know, they were just on their way to do something else. And they're like, hey, this is an opportunity for God to work. They could have just walked by it, this guy. They, they probably, the fascinating thing is Jesus probably himself walked by this place many times going into the temple, but this was his day. You know, this was, and Peter probably walked by him, but Peter's like, today's this guy's day. Um, okay, so uh, one thing we want to encourage you with is there's this amazing move of God taking place in the world today. You know, God's doing a lot of things in the world today, but one of them is a movement called the Disciple Movement. So it started um, with two people, actually just Chuck's friend, our friend Chuck, who stayed overnight with us here in Brunswick. It started with two people in India, an Indian pastor, Victor, who Chuck knows and has been with in India, and a Baptist pastor from Tennessee. Um, and there were a couple other guys experimenting with something similar in China. But anyway, this movement started with, like, and it came out of some strange circumstances where some workers had been killed. Uh, some Christian workers had been killed. And then they just, just, they felt like God said, the problem is your approach, not the people. And so they started looking at the Bible and thinking, how did Jesus do this? How did Paul and Barnabas do this? They made disciples who made disciples. So they're like, what if we would like to make disciples of what if this was all about empowering ordinary people to continue the ministry of Jesus? That's where they are. Instead of first starting with church building and evangelistic crusades, what if we just made disciples who made disciples? So it started really slow. But um, so this was in the 90s. And um, today, there's mission researchers that think that today, this involves 70 million people. Um, but it's kind of like we're, we're just starting to hear about this in the United States. It's kind of weird because we, we think we set the trend, you know. Um, but the theme verse is kind of from, and this is the story continues that Vicki began, and it ends in chapter 4, and the leaders, they're like, we better beat these guys up. We should start something big, you know? So the Jewish leaders, like, threaten Peter and John. And then it says in chapter four, 
15, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So it's all about, like, what if every single follower of Jesus was on mission to introduce other people to Jesus and help them grow in Jesus? That's what's behind this movement. Um, so I'm going to share a couple stories related to this. First, I'll share with our story. Um, so as I said, uh, we're missionaries, but we became missionaries in our 60s. Do you know the, the story of Bilbo? How many of you like have read The Hobbit or seen the movie? So Bilbo's this little, quiet hobbit in the Shire, and he just has an extremely comfortable life. And then he hears this knock on the door, and he goes to the door, and it's Gandalf, the wizard. But actually, Gandalf stamped the sign on his door saying, this is, you know, that the dwarves would know this is the person who's going to lead you on this dragon slaying adventure. Okay? That's like my story. I just had this great job in Champaign, Illinois. I was at a great church. I was, you know, 50 years old. I could just like, ah, this stuff. It just, and then it's like, no, you're supposed to catalyze in church planning movements in French-speaking Muslim West Africa. You know, it's like, because I, like, I, I do. I feel like Bilbo, like, what? Um, so it started this way. When Vicki and I got married in the late 70s, 78, we thought maybe we should be missionaries. We kind of had an interest in this. And uh, we thought, this is literally what we thought. Let's go to Africa and find out. So we we went to Africa. Yeah, can you recognize that couple? We lived in a village on the edge of the mountains, a beautiful part of Africa, southern Africa. A uh, country called Lesotho. After we had been there three weeks, I knew I was not called to be a missionary. <laughs> and I thought, I, I literally wrote this in my journal, like, oh no, I signed up for three years. Um, and Vicki just loved it. And after three years, she did not. Um, but we left because I said it was time to leave. Okay? Okay, so fast. So we're missionaries then for, I mean, then we're like pastors from 1984 to 2018, you know? And uh, first, we, I pastored a little Mennonite country church in Illinois, and then uh, I've been in the vineyard for decades. But I was a vineyard pastor. And in Champaign-Urbana, I was the small group pastor, and on October 16, 2006, I had an experience that I'd never had before and haven't had since. Maybe you've had this experience, but I had a dream, and when I woke up from the dream, I thought I was more awake in that dream than when I'm awake. Anybody have? Yeah, a few of you have. And... um, in the dream, we had just built, if you've been to our, we have this beautiful Bowser Food Auditorium, we just built it. And we were excited about it. 
And um, in the dream, I was, in the first scene of the dream, it was harvest time. I was driving through the country, and everybody was out harvesting in the fields. And my grandparents were all farmers, and, you know, I understood that. Like, when it's harvest time, you just get out and work until the harvest is in. The scene changed, and then I was in this uh, beautiful, spectacular building, and everything was marble. It was, like, fabulous. And I thought, what is going on? What am I doing here? And they led me, this group of people, I was with this one group of people, they led me to this little room in the center of the building that had no windows, and it looked like a parlor, and they said, Jim, lead the funeral. And all of a sudden, it was repulsive to me, like, I've got to get out of this building. And when I woke up, I knew immediately that the dream meant, get out of your nice new building. Don't try to bring people to this building, but go out to out-of-the-way places and plant new churches. I knew that that's what it meant. And I was a small group pastor, so any place we had four or five small groups, I was like, hey, let's start it. Let's start a church in your town. Let's start a church out here. And over the next 10 years or so, we planted 12 new churches. And even to this day, there's the same number of people in the mother church, but there's thousands of people in the daughter churches. It's like the dream came true. So I was 50 when I had the dream. So when I turned 60 in 2016, I said, God, what's the expiration date on the dream? They should come with an expiration date, right? And I was like, what's... What am I supposed to be doing now? I'm turning 60, you know, running out of time. And uh, what am I supposed to do? And I, I didn't hear anything. Meanwhile, that same year in 2016, there's these two pastors, two radicals, uh, who I'd never, you know, I did, I'd met one of them. I'd met Josh. He's from Tennessee. Gabe is... Haitian vineyard pastor, and they had started a church planning movement in Haiti, and they they thought, you know, there's 300 million, there's this need, there's 300 million Muslims in West Africa, they've never heard about Jesus, there's no church or Christian in our community, let's start a church planning movement in the Ivory Coast, this was their vision, and they're like, let's, let's plant tens of thousands of churches in uh, Muslim West Africa, starting in the Ivory Coast. Neither of them had ever been there. They just started emailing people and traveling there. And in 2016, they trained four lay people, three women, one man, to be church planners. Um, they trained these four Christians to reach the Muslims in the north of the Ivory Coast. And as I was praying that year, we had a problem in, with our missions in Mexico, and I was praying about this problem, and I felt God say, don't worry, don't worry about that problem. Go get involved with Josh. So I traveled with them um, to the Ivory Coast in 2017. So they had changed me. They're like, Jim, you're no longer the small group pastor. You're in charge of church planning and missions, Okay. 
So I was the missions pastor, and I went there in 2017, and um, they had trained people one year before. And they're like, how's it going? And these people are like, you cannot believe like what they said. Like the Muslims are open to Jesus. And Muslims are coming to Christ. And we've seen more Muslims come to Christ in the last year than missionaries see in 20 years. And they say, we can't believe it. Like, we're, people are getting healed. We're praying for them, and they're getting healed. And they're, they're sharing all this stuff. And new churches were forming, even within that year. And so I thought, I'll go back, and I'll tell our pastor we should get involved. Right? Logical. It's the last day, and Josh said, so we're in the Muslim area. He's like, I'm going to travel five hours tomorrow back to the airport. Let's get up early tomorrow because I want to show you the world's largest church right now. So I'm like, Josh, I'm not here to do the church thing. Let's not get up early. Let's go. It, it had been hot, and I had been riding in the back of the SUV with the luggage because um, my legs were shortage, you know? Um so I'm like, let's just go to the Capitol and take showers, and maybe the plane will leave early if we get to the rest of the world, right? He's like, no, you need to see this. So he takes us to this basilica, this Catholic basilica. I've got a picture of it there. Um, you can fit 180,000 people on the plaza and 18,000 in the auditorium. And um, it has more stained glass than any other building in the world. They think the president doubled the national debt to build it. So I go in this building. I'm like, oh, my God, I've been in this building. It's the building I was in in my grave. So I'm freaking out, but they don't know this, you know. And then the tour guide takes us behind the altar. He's like, you can't talk in the next room you're going into, it's the crypt. It's where they buried kind of Pope John Paul II's bones. Go into this room with no windows. Looks just like the American funeral parlor. It's like the room I went to in my grave. And um, so it's like God said, you asked me if the dream was still for today. Actually, the dream's about starting churches in Africa, not the U.S. So we had to come through, and but Vicky's like, God could have just whipped it to me. Um, he had to give you a dream, you know? So anyway, this is what's happened since then. At that time, it was just Josh's church. Our church got involved. Other churches have got involved. Initially, it was one language group, what we call an engagement Now we have 10 language groups. We're praying your church gets involved in this, okay? Which I I appreciate your openness to consider that. Um, I wanted to just give you a picture of what this looks like. This is one of the language groups. I changed the name because this is, I guess, your services are on the Internet. Um, But I'll call this the Lava People. There's 70,000 people that speak this language. They're in 93 villages. There were no Christians and no churches in those 93 villages uh, when the vineyard work began there just over four years ago. Now we have three churches. My goal is every village. 
Um, we have three churches. We have a growing number of discipleship groups. Um, this is one of the young men. Three young men came. We, they didn't have any scriptures. So we're like, let's record Bible stories in your language. And we, three young men came to help us with this. One of them, I'll call Pepe. That's not his real name. Um, he was still Muslim when he's helping us with this. But he, he, he was very hungry. In fact, he told us at the training, I've never been treated with so much respect and honor. Like, you guys are all older than me, but my gifts are important, my opinion's important. And um, we started recording Bible stories. He went home. He's not even a follower of Jesus yet, you know? He goes home, starts a discipleship group for teenagers. We've got a picture of Vicky with some of the teenagers and their friends there. Um, and just earlier this year when we were with him, he's like, I've given my life to Jesus now. But this is what I want you to understand. Is he started making disciples even before he'd given his life to Jesus. That's what this movement is about. It's like everybody just taking the Word of God and the presence of God and sharing it with others. As Vicki to share just a recent story um, from her own life. So it's, it's basically people doing what we did. People read or listen to Bible stories, and they're like, what stands out to you? Because often what the Holy Spirit's highlighting, what can we learn from this, and then how can we apply this to our life? And there's learning to follow Jesus, and, and oftentimes even before people start following Jesus before they give their life to him. Yeah. Yeah, so we've seen this in really cool things happening in our Jackson program because people coming to know Jesus, finding the people who are open to learning. So it's like you come here and feel there are people around you who are ready to speak to you and listen to you. And who are they? You know, how do I find them? And so, you know, we're just kind of praying about this. And it's part of our routine. And sometimes even if you take a mile walk around the lake, it's um, super open to us across, you know, across the parking lot. And so, you know, we're doing this as just part of our daily weekly routines. And we start noticing Henry walking her little dog, Cubby. And so we just, you know, strike up some conversation. She's not always around, but... You know, all the cubs be around or whatever. And then one day we noticed she has a branch in her wrist, and she had it torn off, and we walked around the park with Henry, and we said, oh, you know, do you get anything? And we prayed for you right now. And she, oh, yes, yes, here's my card. And she's up in the church, and we prayed for that, and then we got a check with a grace comes off, and we talked to her, and, and you know, we're just praying for Apart, you know, where it's just the two of us. And so, I don't know, 
it fell open for me when in my bed to read the same. And Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus takes his time gently resting on his disciples. Humble. Jesus says, Humble. What does that mean? Humble. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. We're not the teacher. Yeah, so what we want you to do now is, you know, what's one thing you feel God's inviting you to do? Maybe it was something from the scripture, maybe it's something from what Vicki shared, but what's one thing, it can be really simple, it can be just like, I'm going to start praying for the people I just talked to. You know, it can, it can, I'm going to try and encourage this person who's discouraged at my school. You know, whatever. Uh, but what's one thing you feel God's inviting you to do this week to be on mission? So share that with your partner, okay? you have time to articulate that? Now, the, the way it works, if you're in a, a group, like Vicki's group, 
or like our African friends are doing, when you get together next time, it's like, how did that go? So people are encouraging, it's, it's encouraging accountability. How did that go apologizing to your boss? How did that go? And, um, and if, if people didn't do it, we're like, okay, then do it this week. Like you said you do last week, you do this week, we'll pray for you. So, Lord, thanks that we can be on mission for you. Thanks that just like Peter and John, ordinary people without, you know, special training or gifts or whatever, they could make a difference. They could continue the ministry of Jesus right where they were, right with what they had. They didn't even have the money that this guy wanted, but they had what this guy most needed. Your power, your presence, your love. And we, just like them, we want to be on mission for you this week. So come, Holy Spirit, give us opportunities like you gave them so that we can point people beyond us to you. In Jesus' name.